Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 284, dedicated to a man who, on July 24th, 1973, was named the Major League Baseball All-Star Game MVP, Mr. Bobby Bonds. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. During today's episode, we welcome back to the show, Mr. Jeff Hunt, Jeff and I do a lot of stuff with the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, and I thought it was time to bring him back to the Jay Stevens podcast. Jeff is one of those guys that I've connected with via Twitter, done numerous shows together, and he's become a friend. He came on, I believe, in 2020, um, did a be the change episode him and my guy Chris LeBron came on try to get different perspectives there was a lot of racial tension in the country and I want to get people from all sides of life to come together to have a discussion a very important discussion here on the show Brent Stoughton had Jeff on Locked on Buckeyes. He's a big Buckeye fan, had a podcast of his own. He's semi-retired because all of the guys like myself want to have Jeff on their shows because Jeff is such a good guy to talk ball with. Jeff and I, during today's show, have a discussion in regards to the running backs in the National Football League and their desire to get more money during their second contract. Are you for the running backs? Are you against the, con- the running backs? Do you think it should get paid? Do you think they shouldn't get paid in the second contract? Well, Jeff and I dive into that topic and get a little deep with it. We also dive into if Ryan Day should be fired by the Ohio State Buckeyes if the Buckeyes lose to Michigan Thanksgiving weekend. Jeff and I are both big Ohio State football fans, so this is a topic that was very important to us we care about our football team we care about who the football coach is and should it be ryan day if the book guys lose to michigan thanksgiving weekend both jeff and i answer that question let's go ahead and take a trip to the state of ohio to enjoy my fun conversation with my good friend mr jeff hunt anytime i think about the ohio state buckeyes there are a couple guys that i've connected with on twitter that pop into my head one of them is Mo Murphy of the Off the Ball Network, the host of the Up in Flames podcast. He will be on the show in the podcast in the future. Then the other one is a guy, Jeff Hunt, former host of the Jeff Needs Help podcast, was a, a, a podcast guy. Some call him the pod father. And Jeff is with us today. Jeff's my guy. He does stuff with me on Locked on Buckeyes. And I'm glad he can join me today here on the Jay Stevens podcast. Jeff. It's been a long time since we've done a long-form conversation here on this show. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. Thanks for having me back on. I mean, I mean, I sincerely mean like one of my biggest achievements was a couple years ago because you know I was a I was a fan of yours before we were friends. Um, you know, so it's it's an it was an honor when you invited me on your show for the first time. And we did some really important stuff, you know, a couple years ago. Then we did a lot of fun stuff, and then you know you're always willing to have me on Locked On Buckeyes. Um, I haven't as as much as I semi-retired, you know, nine months ago. I'm pretty sure I've averaged a show per week since yeah. then. Um, I kind of call myself a professional guest now, which if you can ever do it, is the best job you'll ever have. Uh, so when talented guys like you, uh, you know, Coach Fall, Mo, anybody from Off the Ball Network, when you guys invite me on, like it, it, the the energy that I have and the, the passion that I bring, you know, I, I really enjoy it. And it, it um, you know, it's 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 an it's an honor, and I I do um, understand like you know you know how cool it is for you guys to invite me on. I do appreciate it, dude. We love it, man. I even talked to those guys specifically about this thought, but. I know I enjoy and love doing shows with you, and I know I'm sure without I can speak for Mo in this way. Mo loves doing shows with you. I'm sure Couch Coach does, Chris LeBron, all, all Stu, all the guys love doing shows with you. And so the fact that you can be semi-retired and then say, <laughs> "Oh, here's this and here's that," or, or like today, here's a topic that I've been talking about for three years on the social media, and here's a podcast for us to dive into it. We love it because it's not just a passion. But, Jeff, you bring well-thought-out opinions that make people think in the moment. Yeah, I still care as much about, you know, the sports and everything as I did. The only the only difference now between me and the old life is that I'm not taking, you know, I'm not constantly writing down stats. I'm not constantly I'm, – I'm always developing the thoughts, but I'm not really developing the shows like I did. I'm not developing the graphics. So sometimes I'll actually just watch a game. Uh, you know, I said that, you know, last year it was it was late in the year when I kind of decided to put things I'll say I put them on hold now because I've got things in the work 
you know, but when I put everything on hold, it was the first time I had watched football games without taking notes in three years. Um, wow. and, and I did enjoy that and I still do. And I still take mental notes, but every now and then I like, I'll just watch half a game and just enjoy it. And then the next day, not talk about it, not write notes, not, not make, not have hot takes, you know, and all these things. So, but when you guys, you know, come up with these subjects and ask me questions, I take it very seriously. So then I think, then, then it gets the wheels turning. I think about it a lot. My wife, on the other hand, is probably like, I wish he would do more podcasts because then I wouldn't have to sit here on the couch and listen to this guy talk about the evolution of whatever, you know, NBA basketball or, or the, you know, the demise of the running back or, you know, the, the, the base, th the base defense and, you know, in football now is a three, three, five. And, you know, we haven't quite talked about that enough and just things like that. So I'm, she loves it when I do shows like this, you know, so I can get some of this out of my head and she, she doesn't have to filter it all through her. Jeff, well, first, I want to say, tell the wife I said hi. It's been oh, I haven't seen she her since the spring game a year I ago. Know. We couldn't hook up this year. It was, it was uh, you know, we, we sorely missed it, but I'm I'm so happy for you, you know, you and Whitney. Uh, it's been awesome to see the the journey, and I can't wait till we can all four, you know, get in the same room and, uh, you know, have some laughs and tell some stories and things like that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And you're talking about kind of your you're talking to your wife and the evolution of basketball, the demise of the running back, and X, Y, or Z, whatever. These are little things that have been been in my head for a while. I literally heard somebody the other day on the radio, a radio or podcast, one of the two, um, talk about just the evolution of the big man in basketball. And it wasn't Jokic specific, but you talk about the evolution of basketball. They were like, could you imagine? a team having a four and five man both on the left or the right block in today's basketball couldn't do it. I mean, if I'm LeBron James, I'm not, but if I was, I would not want to play in the eighties or the nineties <laughs> because I'm going to have, let's say Chris Bosch is on one block and I'm going to have Shaq on the other that clogs up where he wants to go to end up driving to get to the basket. And so it's it that thought right there, like the evolution of basketball, Jeff. It's crazy to see simply how basketball has evolved from when we were young. You're a little bit older than I am, but when we were young, basketball when you were a kid and when I was a kid is a whole lot different than it is yeah. today. Yeah, the, the three, you know, the three point was a prayer. I mean, that was like you didn't see three pointers being shot. Like, like let's 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 talk about like I always use this as an example as far as how the games change. You know, Michael Jordan's game against Portland when he makes the six three-pointers, it, it is one of the biggest – was one of the biggest deals in basketball history. You know, that's the famous shrug game, for, if anybody doesn't know. Six three-pointers, it's a big – like right now, like a lot of players could make six three-pointers in a game, and it would be yeah, like, oh, it's, a, first, it's a good game. In the game. first half, bro. In the first it's not, half. Yeah, it's not that it's not good, but it's that's nowhere near like what a Clay Thompson or somebody like that could do as opposed to, you know, just every – you know, it's just – you know, like we're going to talk about, you know, touch on the running backs. It's just – it's it's always like okay it's chess moves okay you do this well I'm gonna do this and I think the biggest thing was you know in basketball is just like these if if you got a guy just because he's we'll say six ten just because he's six ten does not mean that he has to be stuck down there if the guy can dribble if the guy can shoot maybe let's just give him a shot uh you know thanks to Magic Johnson I talked to this you know on a show I did last night with Coach Fall that we did you know thank to Magic Johnson for being like. Okay, maybe a guy this size can just be different, you know. And he was one of the greatest point guards, passers, all around players ever. It's like let's just let's just let him go and see what happens. So it allowed for the Kevin Durant's of the world. I mean, Kevin Durant in the 1970s, you would you may never know. He may not play basketball. He may be right. like, I don't want to be right. a center. Like I know a lot of people that had size and skill, even you know at lower levels, that are like, no, I go I when I go to the gym, the coach is like, okay, you're gonna be a you're going to be A, you're going to be B, you're going to be C, you're going to be D, and that's how it's going to be. And, you know, even football was a little like that. And uh, so I think what's happened is they're like, you recognize skills. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're going to talk about Saquon Barkley later, you know, you recognize skills and be like, wait a minute, if you can do both of these things, let's let you do both of these things instead of being like, nope. You know, when I, when I played football in high school, we, we basically have, we had two wide receivers maybe, you know, your tight end in line, fullback, your tailback, and that's it. Like we wouldn't have a hail Mary would have been the only play would have put more than two receivers on the field. And now like open, like you'll see opening game NFL this week, somebody on their first play of the first series will be five wide. 
that's that that's what's you know that's what's changed and then you know that's that's why we're going to talk about some of these guys aren't getting paid quite what they would like to you know the running back situation and conversation is interesting not just Saquon Barkley Austin Eckler has been vocal as well about running backs being paid uh Stu Stu ended up sending me a tweet from Jonathan Taylor Indianapolis Colts running back basically saying this and that and this and that but the owners view you different it's crazy man because when I was a youngster, I thought running backs were like amazing. <laughs> I remember who was it? Jamal Lewis for the Ravens. Yeah. Um, Edwin James for the Colts. Um, Ladanian Tomlinson, oh, Curtis a, Martin. These are the uh, guys I grew Larry up Johnson. watching. Larry, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Oh my for god. The Chiefs. Oh my Priest Holmes. I grew up watching these phenomenal running backs, and I say some of these names now. You may not know who Larry Johnson was for the Chiefs. His lifespan wasn't that long. Exactly. You may not know who Priest Holmes was for the Chiefs. His lifespan wasn't that long. You probably know Curtis Martin. You probably know LaDainian Tomlinson. You probably know Edron James. But you might not realize Edron James' career and his contract went down the hill pretty quickly. He also had a torn ACL in his first, what, five years in the league, which messed up him getting a massive payday and having a long career as a running back. Ended up going to the Arizona Cardinals, playing running back. I think he played in the Super Bowl with them as well. And so... When I hear Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, see a tweet from Jonathan Taylor, I think back just in my lifetime, Jeff, all these great running backs, their lifespan, you probably got three to five years to be like to get to be to, great. To be great. And if you're great, you may be great for seven up to you may be have a sixth or seventh year in the league, and that's it. And yep. then a downward spiral, which is why I understand as much as that, I want to be on the player side. So I want them to get paid, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come on here and be like, Oh, well, Jay, you're a hater. No, I want you to get the bag. I want yeah. to get the bag in my own career. This is just how I made up. However, there's a reality of the situation when it comes to Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler or Jonathan Taylor, you're probably easier to replace than you think. Jonathan Taylor just got hurt. He's what five years in a league. If that far, you're probably going to get hurt in your first five years. You couldn't miss six to eight games. If that happens, that lowers the value you have to the team, especially because you play running back. Well, two things about running back that that really that really hurts you know their their plate is that a a running back can very seldom a running back they all get one major injury like every player you know but they they very seldom get two. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, let's be honest, like these guys, like you can get past the one knee injury. Like Saquon's already had it. That second one tends to basically reduce you to a normal player. Mm -hmm. And these teams have, have paid these guys so many times. And it's just the cruel business of it. These, Running backs, Sean Alexander, you know, a number. Oh, my Alexander, gosh. I forgot exa- about him. That dude really is the one where people start opening their eyes to be like, this guy was the, we thought was one of the best players in the league. The next year, he could, he really couldn't get on the field based on skill. Like he just, they kind of fall off a cliff at that age because it's so physical. It's the last position that's really still physical and, and, as far as skill positions, like the offensive lineman is next level. Like those guys are fighting every play. Defensive linemen are fighting every play. Running backs, like wide receivers can avoid so much contact now because, you know, there's not near, it's not near as physical. Um, it's more of a wide open game. Quarterbacks are down to like rarely get really hit. Running backs still have to run through the garbage in the middle. They have to take all the shots on their hips, their knees. They're one of the last positions that, you know, requires so much speed and skill and physicalness and also take these nasty odd angle hits and these, and they, and another thing like you touched on it exactly when a running back gets dinged up, they very seldom come back in three weeks. Like it tends to kind of put their season on hold. Even we saw a couple of years ago, Derrick Henry had the foot. He couldn't play and he couldn't mm-hmm. play. He comes back for the playoffs and he's what, maybe 60%. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough as to where a lot of players can kind of get by because of that. And it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a brutal game on them. And then all the miles before they get there, you got to play three years of – you got to be three years out of high school. You don't have to play three years of college football. But you have, all those hits add up just like they do, you know, in the NFL. If you're a – college, honestly, if you're a big-time college wide receiver, let's say our beloved Ohio State, mm-hmm. I mean, you're really not getting banged up that much at wide receiver. I mean, you're kind of out there just kind of – running free like if you like uh you know we saw the big deal harrison took the one huge hit you know yeah. in the uh the playoff game that was pretty much the only one of the season 
Yeah. As if to where a running back, like every five yards, like some big person is wrestling you to the ground and twisting you up. So what it is, is running backs. Here's what I, my biggest take on it is running backs and teams actually agree on the position. Running backs want paid because they never know when they're going to get injured. Teams don't want to pay because they never know when you're going to get injured. They're actually agreeing on it, but they, they want two entirely different things out of it. And another thing is they're the track record for the, since really since Emmett Smith, a running back has not carried a team to championships and playoff victories. It just hasn't translated into it. You talk about Curtis Martin. I've had, I've had a whole list when I've had this argument for years, like the whole list of, you know, the Adrian Peterson's, you know, Curtis Martin's Frank Gore's, it just goes on and on and on. Um, it just didn't, I mean, the chiefs just won a super bowl with a rookie and a backup, you know, and they won a super bowl. The Eagles had a good running game. Most people couldn't name the Eagles running backs right now. You know what I mean? It's just not like it was in the 1980s. Jeff, I'm going to do a little, um, pop quiz. Let's okay. put it that way. We're not in school anymore. You and I are done with those school days, but we have a pop quiz here on the show. This is actually an example that I heard, I believe from Zach Gelb on CBS sports radio. A day ago, Jeff. So the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl a year ago. And um, who would you think was their leading rusher from 2022? I think it it was McKinnon. It was not. There was a large gap between him and number one. Isaiah Pacheco Pacheco was a leading rusher. A rookie. Yes. Yes, from Rutgers, of all things. Rutgers football. Not what I think about great running backs, but Isaiah Pacheco was in a great situation. Phenomenal offense. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and it worked for him. McKinnon was number two. And Pacheco, I always want to put it out there, Pacheco's a dog. Yes. Like that, yes. like, like that that's the whole point we're talking about here. Is I want to give credit to that dude is an absolute battler when he was out there on the field. And you can only do that for about three seasons. <laughs> How many games would you guess Isaiah Pacheco started? Oh. I'll say one. There might have been an injury in there. I don't think. I don't. I don't think he started. Pacheco. Yeah. Started eleven. <laughs> See, I. <laughs> I thought McKinnon was a starting running back. I, I do have it. Yeah. 11, 11 of uh, seventeen games. The other six was started by Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who As was third in rushing a year a, ago. Elaire, holy cow! See, so, so we're, we're going somewhere. Pacheco was a rookie a year I've ago. I forgot about Edwards Elaire. Edwards Elaire was, was in his third year a year ago with the Chiefs. There was a lot of hype around. Not a lot of hype. He played for LSU. Oh yeah, but he's a good running back. Don't get me wrong. He's a really played good on the greatest team, back. like maybe the greatest team we've ever seen. Yes, yes, of course. that is true. Did Isaiah Pacheco have over one thousand rushing yards as a leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs in twenty twenty two? No, I'm certain of that. Did not. So. No, McKinnon was not the second leading rusher. Excuse me. He had the second most carries. The leading rusher was Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. 830 rushing yards. Number two, Patrick Mahomes in rushing yards, 358. (gasps) No way. So it goes Pacheco, Mahomes, Edward D. Lair, and McKinnon in yards. 358 for Mahomes, Edward D. Lair, 302, McKinnon, 291. Clyde Eversley Lair joined the team in 2019. Was his 2020 was his rookie season? Yeah. How many 1,000 yard rushing seasons has Clyde Edwards Elaire had? Oh, none. Yeah, you're correct. Rookie year. Yeah, he, he was injured eight, early. Rookie year, he had 803 at 517 his second year. And then a year ago, he had 302. And I believe Elaire was he first round? Ah, I think he was the low first round. Him and Dobbins. Um, that was him and draft stuff. First, yeah, <laughs> the last pick in the first round. I, in the I know it was right there towards draft, the end. Yeah, which is insane. And I wasn't trying to use that example. I didn't know what Jeff was going to say in regards to the injuries. This is literally an example I heard on CBS Sports Radio. Zach Gelbert does a phenomenal show yeah. hosting that show, and I use that example here because it kind of just proves a point. Now, my point that I was trying to go across to kind of explain what I was thinking goes along with Jeff's. I didn't think, and I don't really, Jeff, I, I, Ohio State locked on Buckeyes. I'm pretty tied into Ohio State football and look into a little bit deeper the matchups week in, week out. Isaiah Pacheco was a shifty guy. He was someone that 
could be a weapon on offense for Rutgers. But however, Rutgers is not a good team talent-wise, top yeah. to bottom. So you knew Ohio State should obliterate them, and that's what happened. So you don't really think Isaiah Pacheco, great Big Ten running back. You don't think Isaiah Pacheco, great Rutgers running back or great college no. football running back. Didn't know, who he was, didn't know who he was till almost the Super Bowl. You figure out, and the team found, we can get a guy the first round a few years ago, get a guy a, a few more, a few years later that can replace a guy that we got a few years ago, keep them both on rookie deals, maybe franchise tag one, not both, and the time is right, maybe one. But after that, we can go on to somebody else which is not good for players like – oh, i got another question for you for this pop quiz. Okay. When it comes to Saquon Barkley and Taylor and Eckler, they're one – they're rare. You don't find those guys every day. The average – I want to get make it a pop quiz. I'll just keep rolling. The average lifespan of a running back in the NFL, two and a half years. Yeah. And that does go into the guys that maybe make a practice squad team and don't get drafted or don't play in the NFL. Yeah, they factor, yeah, they factor everybody into that. Yeah. And you gotta realize even the guys that are in the league that make a 53-man roster, they're not gonna raise it up that much because teams have realized running backs don't last that long. The mm. days of say um Barry Sanders being on a team for he wasn't even on a team for 20 years, but he was on a team for quite a while. You know, it's not going to happen. Emmett Smith, very, very rare. Um, Jerome Bettis playing as long as he did the way that his playing style was. Eddie George, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, also, well, Jerome Bettis is a great example. That's a guy that, yeah, when he finally got his Super Bowl, he wasn't the he wasn't even the starting running back. Ooh, like, no offense ooh. to the Bettis. I know he he loved it, and it was the tour because of Detroit and all that. But and, and this is more to it. It was uh, fast, uh, fast Willie uh, Parker, fast yes. Willie Parker was the starting running back for the Steelers most of that year. And again, and that's another guy that won a Super Bowl as a starting running back and kind of basically vanished. And a kid out of North Carolina that nobody had even heard about. And you got a, a Hall of Famer over here that, it, you know, beat his brains in for all those years. And he, he you know, he got to sat and watch and he, you know, got the culmination of it. But he, he wasn't the reason. As a matter of fact, you know, as a Colts fan, you know, as well as I do, that there's, he was, you know, Bettis was a stab wound away from, you know, not even going to that Super Bowl, but I'm sure you don't want to relive relive those days. You think about that season, Jeff, and I instantly go back to Jerome Bettis runs the it's goal line. They're goal to oh. go. Jerome Bettis runs the ball. The Colts ended up forcing a fumble. Nick Harper recovers it, gets tackled by Ben Roethlisberger, who's yeah. not mobile at like he's a little mobile. He ain't, yeah. he ain't no Patrick Mahomes or Lamar no. Jackson or Michael Vick when it comes to mobility as a quarterback. Next thing you know, the Colts don't do enough to win the game, yep. and the chance was right there for because them. Harper got stabbed the night before by his dude. Dude, I don't like, remember really memory. Nobody knew that, but that's, no. that's that's why he couldn't outrun Roethlisberger. It's one of the craziest, horrible stories in NFL oh, history. Anyway, it's sad, man. Yeah, I think you and I both kind of want to err on the side of the player as far as hey, get the money if you can. But financially and for the organization, unfortunately, Jeff, we're, I think it sounds like we're both on the same page. It doesn't make financial sense well, to here, give you the bag in your second contract. So here's a thought, and, and this is this is what's going to happen. Like I, I'm so confident because I've been on this for so long about what's going to happen in the running back position. Here's the next phase of it, Jay, and we're we're already seeing it with. I love it when we can train, you know, translate this to Ohio State. You know, our most important running back at the end of the season was a wide receiver because of injuries. So that they would have to bring, I mean, you know, he really kind of carried us and almost carried us to, you know, a, a championship game. We've seen it with Debo Samuel, like, you know, mm -hmm. get a little yeah. light at running. So, and I said this, I said, if Saquon Barkley comes into the NFL as a slot receiver, he's, he's doing, he's doing the same job right now. And it's not even a question about whether to pay him or not. And that's what's going to happen is these guys are going to be like the the running back position, the the what well, we don't have a tailback anymore, we barely have a fullback. Now it's just going to be like the running back position is going to be a spot on the field. Like, yeah, there's still going to be a couple Travis Henrys. And that's another thing about the Alabama running backs. None as good as they've been, they really haven't translated into 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 victories. Um, Henry's the closest one, and he's an absolute freak. So you're gonna have guys like Saquon be like, no, I'm gonna go ahead and play slot for Ohio State. And then you can motion me into the backfield. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna make two or three huge plays a game. I'm gonna go to the NFL as a quote unquote athlete, 
And it's this isn't going to be a problem anymore. That's what I think that's the next step of this that we're going to see. And I don't blame them. If you're Saquon right now, I'd be like, okay, I'm a slot. Like, let's get rid of these divisions between these positions. Like, okay, I'm a slot receiver. Because I guarantee he's as good as if he, if you had to pick a third receiver in the league, Saquon would be top 15. Like yeah. the, the dude is an athletic genius. Jonathan Taylor, same way. Like he leans more towards running back, but that's what's gonna or they're or they we'll say tight end. Like they're gonna there's gonna be another uh, first position, and they're gonna they they're gonna be able to play running back. So then they're gonna have two or three of these guys that are that are doing the same thing, but they're also gonna be a lot of motion. Basically, you're gonna be open backfield, you know, the whole time. Like that's how this is gonna evolve for these guys to get a little longer term contract and start getting towards that receiver money, you know, that they, that they want. That's who they're really talking about. They want to be treated like receivers. You can't see you can't see Hopkins go to Tennessee if you're Saquon and and be okay with it. Yeah. Like I, I can totally see why like this is this is a problem for them. Couple guys come to mind. Both both are Urban Meyer guys of all things. A guy who was a phenomenal <laughs> offensive mind in college. Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel. If they yep. play running back, different Different player in college if they play solely play running back. Yep. But if but if they just play running back, they're not valued as they would be as an NFL player. Now, Percy Harvin has some issues, and I think he maybe had some he had some issues. I don't know if it was on field, off the field. I don't know. It's NFL career was not that long. Yeah. But also Curtis Samuel, he would not be like in a, he, he would not be viewed as a great. That's weapon the perfect on example. <laughs> I'd say he's going to have a he might have a longer career than some of these guys because of that. Like that's a perfect example. Curtis Samuel, the starting running back for high days, like now nah, I'm a receiver now. Yeah, I mean it's that that's how it's going to go. Yeah, Jeff. One thing I don't like going this way. One <laughs> thing when it comes to how things are going to go is that Ohio State fans will be upset. If Ohio State loses to Michigan in the fall, you think? I don't. <laughs> How crazy will it be? Well, some fans will go crazy. Some fans will um, go off their rocker. Some fans may um, go off the Buckeye train, le- legitimately saying, I'm not going to be a Buckeye fan anymore because we lost three in a row in my lifetime. And they don't want to deal with that. Some fans will say, fire the head coach. You and I have kind of on the same path when it comes to Ryan Day. I think he's a really good coach. I think there are some deficiencies that have been there throughout his entire time being the head coach at Ohio State. But firing a guy who has made multiple trips to the playoff, who was really close, really close to beating Georgia a year ago, the team that won the national championship, a team that if it weren't for the abnormal way that 2020 went down with the COVID, they would have had a legitimate shot to beat Alabama that year. However, I will say this, Alabama smashed him in the national championship. Mm-hmm the way that COVID was handled by the SEC was different than the Big Ten. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, how COVID should have been handled. The teams and the conferences handle it differently, and Completely. I do think the Big Ten, really, the way that they wanted to handle it, I think precaution would need, needed to be taken. The Ohio State couldn't repair like Alabama did. Mm-hmm. Ohio State didn't have as many regular season games as Alabama did, and I'm pretty sure Ohio State had more games canceled than the Crimson Tide that season, which will all went into Ohio State kind of hitting the stride at the end of the season. Alabama hit midseason stride in midseason. Well, if I remember correct, real quick, Alabama didn't have one player test positive the entire season. Oh, so they were oh, so they were just up here like uh, cheating. I'm just putting out as a stat. They're, they're I'm, not, just I'm, here. I'm not saying it either way. That is it. That's 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 a real thing that happened. Is man, Saban really did a great job of keeping his players healthy. I've got texts and people asking me in DMs, hey, is Toge, Tommy Togi at the game? Or is Haskell Garrett there? Um, where's Tyreek Smith? Um where is so-and-so? And I'm like, hey, man, like, Ohio State's not letting the information out and come to find out it was COVID. And I had a guy from Locked On, Jeff, was asking, hey, get your boys together. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in a meeting. I had no idea. People were testing positive, and they thought that the game might have to get pushed back because Ohio State players yeah. were testing positive with COVID. And I'm like, it's not, not their fault. It's everywhere. It's easy to get. <sighs> But they're cheating, huh? SEC. I don't know. I'm just saying that SEC ah. did a really great job of handling COVID season. Oh, Jeff, when it comes to Ryan Day, <laughs> I don't want to ask the question just yet. I want to kind of dive into it. Let fans know, and I'll get into it as well. How do you view Ryan Day as a football coach at Ohio State? So here's here's my thing with Ryan Day. Like, and I've I still lean towards it. I think he's a really, really good offensive mind. I I in my heart, I believe he's a an offensive coordinator 
um, first. Um, I don't even really think that second is that close. I've I've traditionally like when we've when I've banged on Ryan Day, it's been that it you know when they, when they come into a season and the defense is terrible, my whole thing has always been like, well, what what were you watching for the last two months in practice? That why are why are we why are you surprised by how bad this defense is? And you're 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 changing offensive or defensive coordinators in the middle of a season because your defense is so bad. Like what did you see in practice that you thought it was okay? You don't have adjustments. The defensive side's not developing. Like if these guys are supposed to quote unquote work for you, I don't I don't under like like it's hard to explain to people. I understand because a high state. Like when you just look at the scores, and if you just see the the Sports Center version of the game, you're like, I don't know what Jay and Jeff are complaining about. I would love my team to be like that, but when you really watch the game, you realize just how bad the defense was and how bad, how much they couldn't stop anybody. And Day's also not came up. You know, my you know my one of my biggest gripes is he just doesn't just like that happened. It surfaced in the Georgia game. They did a lot of great stuff in preparation, but they also sometimes are like don't know how to reel it in, concentrate, and and put put out a game like Trestle, you know, like Meyer did. Like, okay, I know we got this game now. Now it's time. Like, this is the – like, let's grind this game out and get out of here with the win, even if it's by a Hail Mary at the end of a, you know, Alabama playoff game like uh, Meyer did. It's still it, – that, that still works. Um, he's definitely, off, you know, offensive first. That's great. Your quarterbacks look good and all that. But it, it hasn't really – you know, if your scoring margin isn't any better, it has it's really no different than any other coach in the country. Um, it just it feels like it just doesn't feel like he's seeing the whole game yet. Um, and that's a lot to ask, but he's he's got well, I'll just say he's he's got a top five program in the country, and it just doesn't feel like he's got control of the entire program, or he doesn't have coaches that have control of the entire program. He, you know, he went out, you know, he went out on his limb and got what we thought was the supposedly everybody's telling me the best defensive coordinator in the country. And it's like, well, okay, when does that show up? You know, things like that. Is that a mistake by administration? Is that a mistake by David? That that's where a guy like Meyer would immediately recognize like, whoa, 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 this isn't something's not right here. You know what I mean? And so the teams lack an intensity. They lack a toughness, you know, all these things, the, the offensive skills there, which is fantastic. Still bringing in five-star recruits. So that's a plus, but, and then, then the biggest thing is, he just has has got blown out of the building by his, you know, by Michigan two years in a row, which is just unexcusable, not only for Ohio State, but unexcusable if you're going to tell me you're a national championship contender and you can't even win your conference. So, like, there, there, there's a lot of negative there for a team that's been so successful. I try my best to not go out and immediately make negative comments about a coach who has – um, won multiple Big Ten Conference champions, beat his rival the first time he played him. And it's Michigan. I think it's a big deal. Yeah. A guy who has put multiple guys in the first round in multiple drafts. So I, I try my best to realize, like, even though he came in and Urban Meyer was a phenomenal coach and opened, left Ryan Day with some good stuff to work with, I don't want to be negative off top. So I wasn't, Jeff. I, I wanted to praise him up front immediately. Yeah. But also keep in mind that, it's not just the Michigan losses. You lose to Oregon in 2021, and what yep. is it? Your team's not prepared to play football. Yep. It's not saying you're not prepared to play like college football. They're prepared to play college football. That game specifically, there was no reason why. And I forget Oregon's quarterback, but there's no reason why the edge should have been open all like all numerous game. times. You're running misdirection stuff, and you could easily see your guys. D linemen, linebackers, they're keying the wrong part of the play. And so when the play is going where the play's supposed to go, <laughs> your guys are a second or two or three steps late. And next thing you know, it's first down here, first down here, first down here. You don't, most people don't remember Oregon's players from that season yep. or, or what Oregon did. They really All didn't. they know is that Oregon beat Ohio State that season. And soundly. And then, well, I mean, I could go on and on with this. He got bailed out in Nebraska by Smith and Jigba. Um, he got beat up by Iowa for two quarters last year. Iowa just couldn't score points. Um, he the Northwestern game was an absolute train wreck, you know, that we excused because of when it's you know, sometimes you got to be a game manager. I mean, yes, the the playoff win versus Clemson, you know, in that 2019 season, fantastic. Like, that, okay, that was awesome. Like, you get that, like, you, you had your team ready. So, here's a question I would have for you, Jed. I don't know if we've ever. 
really touched on this as much as we've talked about the Buckeyes. What does Day's career look like if Justin Fields doesn't transfer there? Ooh, he's gone. I, I I don't I th- like I don't think he finished. The, I, I think at the end of the third season, yeah, which was the twenty twenty, he might have finished last year, but he's gone. I think the he, farther he, we get away from, him, we realize Justin Fields is one of the greatest, not only college but definitely Ohio State players ever. And I and I keep thinking back to that. I'm like, man, he got he got a dude that just you know kind of knew how to win and put the team on his back, and and then you know I just. You know, the, the, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know, say about it. It's just the the facts of it. Is like every time we go back to these vic the victories, not the because I don't really care much about close losses. Um, great, you showed up for Georgia. You showed up for one game all year. That's that's awesome. You know what I mean? But everything we go back to is like, oh, that was Justin Fields being great. That was Justin Fields being great. Like, what's the moment where you're like, oh no, Day, you know, took control of this situation, got his team to a victory like the stories we hear about Trestle and, and Meyer. I mean, the guy, like you have to outcoach the other team at some point. He gets outcoached a lot, yes. like a lot. When you think about great players at Ohio State, and I will, this is a conversation for a different day. Jeff, not trying to dive into this. I would love to have you on this show, a more long form uh, podcast and break down JT Barrett and Justin Fields. It's kind of compare and contrast the two. In the moment, I was not the biggest JT Barrett fan. The further away I get from those seasons he <laughs> yeah. played, I I respect him, and also I got to realize that's a national championship winning quarterback. Yeah, if he I, he got hurt that season, so granted it was a little bit different, but I still think if he was a starting quarterback, you beat Wisconsin soundly, you yep. beat Alabama, and you beat Oregon. I think he is one of those guys at Ohio State. When you think about JT Barrett, you don't think about national champion. That goes to Cardell Jones in most Buckeye fans' eyes. However. To me, JT Barrett, national championship yep. quarterback, because he did so much during that season. But, Jeff, when you think about, like, defenders and defenses at Ohio State, you talk about the defense and being prepared and all this kind of stuff, and I hinted at it as well. Outside of Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, the urban guys, Ryan Day has not developed one elite defender. No. Miss me on Tom. Eichenberg is a really good college linebacker. I don't know if I would put him in the elite or great or all-timer ca- category. No. Um, Primo Lowell, no. Um, the, the other Denzel Burke, absolutely not. I'm thinking about guys that are playing this year. Um, you only had one guy get drafted on defense a year ago, which was which is not acceptable. You think about it being that, that's insane for a, about, that's it's insane. Think about it being inexcusable for Ohio State to lose two in a row to Michigan. Only one Buckeye defender drafted in any in a year. Not acceptable at all, bro. No, it just can't happen. Yeah, no, and that's the craziest thing about it. And then, of course, and the offense gets drafted based on like their success. But like, you know, not to be a naysayer, but if you really dig into the offensive success of the Buckeyes, a lot of it comes against teams that they're way overmatched. Like it, that, that it's not even close. And it's and I will say that about High State's talent level on offense, it is off the charts. That that's not made up. But they also they they do get a ton of their stats against opponents that like we don't obviously we should beat them you know what I mean like it's the obvious wins but then when you look at like when you really look at the tough ones like Iowa Penn State Michigan you start looking at some of these games you're like well it looked a little different you know they they didn't you know the only team that was decent for two years that they ran through was Michigan State whatever it is they do against Michigan State like that those are those are absolute no brain you know victories right there but. When are you going to overcome a team that's as good as you or better than you? I mean, we're going to find out this year because they play a really solid schedule and they play two or three teams that are really close to what their talent level is. And we're really going to find out, like, are you going to be able to get through Penn State? You're going to be able to get through Wisconsin if they get their quarterback situation right. At, uh, you know, a, a, a tough, gritty Notre Dame team that that I wouldn't have won to play late in the year. I'm glad we got mm-hmm. them early last year. Mm-hmm. And if we already – we. Harbaugh's already already established what he's bringing in Michigan. You know what I mean? Like you know what you're going to play there. So there's there's four or five opponents on the schedule that like you, you better look out. And you got Indiana opening week. Like that that's one of them goofy teams that'll you know you'll stub your toe on and and play lazy against. And the next thing you know, we're all sitting there like just like Minnesota two years ago. We talked about that game how many times, Jay? That that should have been a loss for Ohio State outside of a terrible injury to a great running back who, again, we talk about running backs. This is exactly the issue with running backs is like, you're, you're the most important player on the field for a half. 
um, you know, when you go back to that, you know, so, so, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, the day has to play. He, he absolutely has to coach really well this season. And, and I don't even like to say fired. I know you don't want to bring up the question. I don't even want to say fired, but like he just, I don't, if he wants to step down to offensive coordinator, I, I'm, I'm in, um, you know, you know, I've been on your show how many times and said that I thought within five years day is going to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I don't think I, I, I like the guy. I live here in Ohio. So I see a lot of him as far as like, you know, a publicity and what he does in the community. He seems like a decent guy. No problems with any of that. It's all on the field stuff. And I just don't know if he's ready for this moment yet. Like he's, I don't, I don't, I think Ohio State's too big of a job to learn, to learn at. And, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches like that over the year that need that need a second or third job before they're like, okay, now I'm kind of understanding what this is all about. Um, not everybody's Nick Saban, you know, or, or Urban Meyer who's successful at every place they go. But here's the thing. Here's what I said in the, you know, one of my chats the other day. But it's in Day's hands. All he has to do is win. Like if he that's, just it's, 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 it's that simple. All you got to do is win. Yeah, he doesn't – I don't – he doesn't need to do anything for me except just if he does his job and win, I'll be like, awesome. That was fantastic. I mean, we all know if he beats Georgia last year, he's winning the national championship. And right now we're like, okay, sky's the limit. Okay, so let me go here. I'm going to answer the question I was going to ask you, but you kind of already hinted at it. Then go somewhere else. The question I hint Jeff with earlier this week was, should Ryan Day be fired if the Buckeyes lose to Michigan in the fall? If it's 11-0, 11-0, and it's close, I give him one more year. I, I'm, I'm literally, literally, as a head coach. And it's a loss, but it's close. I'm going to be nice. I'm, I'm in a good mood, Jeff. Really good. Like, I just got married. I have no reason to be to complain. One more year. But that's me being really, really, really nice. Catch me in October if Ohio State loses to Notre Dame on now September 23rd. Talking. And then all of a sudden you lose to Penn State October 21st. And there's two losses before we hit November on the calendar. Oh, buddy, you're gone. Like, oh, yeah. He can't. He can't. Lose. Closer. No, I don't care if you win. Buddy, you're gone. You, you cannot lose two games. This season, in the yep. regular season, he can't, can't lose happen. two games. No, you can't. And he, you cannot do it. He can't even lose. He can't even lose two and beat Michigan. And I don't. I don't think that's because we. Don't, I don't want to get back to that point either. To where all I care about is that. Like I don't. Do not want to go back to the world of the nineties. No. To where like all we cared about was hopefully beating that. That was ridiculous. It was not fun. I'm, I want to. I went back to where like Michigan's just another game. And then of course, then going into the next season, everything changes. So this is a huge year. You know. We still have the same Big Ten, the same structure of the playoffs, like all these things. Next year, we're, we're having a different conversation because there's more teams in the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. There's no divisions in the Big Ten and all these things. This is not that year. This year, he has to – he can't lose more than one game. If it's and he has, to, he has to look decent. He, we can't have another – if the defense is bad, I think that's – I think you. I don't even think you can use, you know – the defense as a scapegoat. Like, I think he's still like, okay, this is the fourth year in a row that you haven't told us how bad your defense is. I think that, I think that's even a reason to fight. If they're giving up the same yardage and points a game that they've done the last couple of years, I think it's time to move on. If it's 11 to no, 11 to no, both teams there. And it's the same song and dance that we had the past couple of years. Yeah. And always, okay, maybe it's close a little bit. Second, third quarter, fourth quarter, Ohio State guys look physically tired, mentally tired. Mm. They're not up to the task. And Michigan gashes in for two long touchdown runs. I'm done, bro. I'm done. Yep. You, you, I would do a live show after that game, <laughs> be on the YouTube, and you guys will hear me say things about Ryan Day and why he is not yeah. the guy. I have been on the record to say that he is not Larry Coker. Larry, he's a better coach than Coker. But I will say Coker did not handle the talent at Miami in the proper way. Didn't right. get the recruiting up there like he needed to. I think it's clear that Day has not developed talent like Urban Meyer. No. And like Jim Trestle, it's clear that both of those statements are true. Now, there is a thought. I'm going to close it with this. Didn't think about this one, Jeff, but it came up when we were on the show together. And you kind of hinted at it. Does a national championship mean more to Ohio State than beating Michigan? Yes. I, I really do believe we're at the point to where, like, just like last year, I think we would have not if we if we pull that off last year and win the championship. I think we forgive the season. It leaves a horrible taste in our mouth. But um, after you know, I've lived through you know a couple national championships now, and I also lived through the years, like I said, the when we just begged that we wanted to beat Michigan. The national championships, as an old dude, 
have are better. Like absolutely, like last year, I would have absolutely not cared at all about that Michigan game if we pull off the Georgia game and the national championship. Uh, so yeah, I do think there is something to that, but I think that might also be part of the problem. Is like you got to do one before the other. Um, and, and that's, that's becoming an issue. Like Michigan needs to be a team in the way of your national title, not, not the culmination of a season, but also not, they're not Minnesota. Like you have to, you know, Trestle was the best ever at being like, it's important there in a way, but then we have a, you know, a bigger fish to fry. Uh, urban was really good at it because he's was around the country and under, he played honestly coaching the sec probably prepared urban for like, like urban Meyer played really really good teams in the middle of the season like lsu yeah. or alabama mid-season i say rarely has to do that i mean penn state is close penn state's gonna be really good this year and that's gonna be one of them um but he also understood that game mostly except for one dumb choice to kick a field goal you know that probably cost us another national championship but that's neither here nor there but yeah he's got a the team has to like they have to they have to look better they have to be more confident they have to start they have to like be able to impose their will through these games and fight through these games at, at some point, because again, I go back to it. We start talking about the great Ryan day games. Like we're starting to go back a few years now before we can really pinpoint like a good victory. Jeff, I, I don't like saying this at all. When it comes to the importance of the national championship mean more than beating Michigan. I think it's a sign of the times. I think if you were in the 70s or 60s or 50s and there was no national oh, yeah. championship game, it was all voted upon, Michigan was everything. There was no Big Ten championship game back then. Michigan was yeah. your national championship. And losing that game not only meant um, a loss to your rival, but it also meant your season was not what it meant to be. Yes. The, the 90s changed it a little bit. The BCS changed it a lot. The playoffs are a whole different animal. And I think Ryan Day and the coaches and the players realize if they lose to Michigan Thanksgiving weekend, somehow the new in a couple in next 2024 season, make to the Big Ten Championship game, win that. Yeah, the trophy game means something. Yeah, you're still not happy you lost to Michigan, but you still won a trophy the following week. And then all of a sudden you 12-team playoff. You end up winning the national championship. Yes, that loss to Michigan Wolves will hurt it will sting there'll be bragging rights you can't have there'll be trash talk on twitter there'll be a lot of conversations in the offseason that aren't the same but you'll forever be in college football history you could be a college football yep. casual and say well who won the national championship in that season ohio state okay it was a success buckeye fans may say we didn't accomplish every goal but that casual fan will say oh well who cares you won the national championship that means something. Yeah. And so I hate being that guy because I know how much – and I'm not, I'm not saying the game doesn't mean a lot. It means everything. Oh, yeah, it's huge. But, man, the time, the times, man. But it, I want – yeah. Gene Smith even said it, and I did disagree with him at the time, but Gene Smith even said, like, if you win a national championship, that means a whole lot. Also, of course, he's looking at dollars and cents. Especially and if you're – about what happens Especially, like, if – like, last year – like, honestly, the Georgia victory last year, like, something like that. The Alabama victory in 14 is – that's a truly great victory. Like, the Oregon game was good. The Alabama victory was – it's just like, I mean, you know, the 1988 USA hockey team. People forget they had to play the gold medal game because – beating you know russia was the game that's how beating alabama felt you know that year and then but we just beating clemson in 19 ginormous to get that monkey off their back like you know you want to be in the national picture you want to beat these teams you Notre when it beat notre dame beating clemson beating georgia beating alabama beating lsu like you know we got to get past just like like yeah i've never i was never part of like well i just want to beat Mich michigan now like that that has to be just another team like i, I would rather you know, in the rivalry, put them back to where it was, you know, a few years ago as an afterthought. And we're going after the big boys rather than like that game. I don't want to be like, you know, whatever it would be now, eight and three going into the game and winning and being like, great. Can't wait for the Citrus Bowl. Like, no, that's not I don't want to go back to that world either. Citrus Bowl, Tennessee. I don't know how I remember that game. I wasn't oh. even watching. Honestly, you mean football. when they called meaning when they called the one option that they ran all year with yeah. Eddie George and bounced yeah. it off his helmet? Yeah. Not that I remember it, but yeah. Congratulations, Peyton Manning. For those of you that don't know what kind of all 
football fans, Jeff and I are, or diehard Ohio State fans. He remembers game. He remembers a play in this show alone. He he referenced a play from '95, and I referenced a play yeah. from 2005. Run from the Colts. One from Ohio State. We both remember. I don't. I didn't watch the game. I saw it on YouTube, but I know the play. And we yeah. both watched. I remember the fumble of Bettis and Nick Harper getting tackled by Roethlisberger. And yeah. oh my gosh, dude, Peyton should have multiple Super Bowl wins with the Colts. Yeah, it, it's annoying to me still. And I'm 35 years old. That was a long time ago. But you mean like no, the year? You mean like the year when they let New England basically just Greco Roman wrestle your receivers into a victory? You, Remember that year? <laughs> I'm glad the show's almost over because I'm really getting upset right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You had a great career. You had a great career. It's okay, Jeff. Love having you on the show, man. Got to get you back on Locked on Buck, guys. I love the long form, being able to have more time. Yeah, well, that was, that was nice. We pop. got to air it out, man. That was yeah, a, man. We, got to, we got to do a little 5K instead of a sprint. That, that was fun. Hey, man. Next thing you know, it'll be a 10K, a half marathon. Then who knows? Maybe Jeff and I do a four-hour marathon, four-hour show on YouTube once a week. I don't think our wives would ever allow us to have that much time. That's, that's awesome. Say, <laughs> now it's wives. Yeah, now you got a little pressure, don't you, big guy? Uh-huh. Jeff, if you could, let everyone know they can follow you on Twitter and uh, catch it. You're on a lot of shows now as a semi-retired podcaster. Where can they catch, catch those as well? Yeah, you know, the best thing is at Jay Hunt, Double Six on Twitter. I'm always super active there. I'm doing a lot of like stuff. You know, I'm not putting out my own show right now. Um, you know, still kind of up in the air, but that me and Coach Fod just started a show last night that you can catch on, you know, YouTube over there. But basically, if you follow, you follow me on Twitter, follow me on social media, you know, you can get there or, you know, Google me, it pops up or Spotify, it'll pop up and lead the way. And also, like, I always want to shout out to my guys over at Off the Ball Network. Football season's heating up. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm again, always thankful for uh, Jay to have me on. Um, I don't get to do the Stevens podcast as much, but, you know, we got to stretch our legs out a little bit and invent some things out. And, and uh, hopefully next year, you know, at this time, we're talking about, you know, the Colts and, winning the Super Bowl and the Buckeyes winning the national championship and some more fun stuff. And, and hopefully Ryan day comes on the show to tell us how wrong we were as he's holding up his uh, national championship trophy. Love having Jeff on the show, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. Send all of your emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. There will be more people who are part of the Off the Ball Network that will be featured here on this show. I've already talked to Stuart Brooking after he unveils his quarterback rankings. He's going to come on here. The NFL quarterback rankings to break those down. Got to get my guy Mo Murphy to just talk about anything. And my basketball guy is Chris LeBron. Got to get him back on the show as well. Guys, this is the JCVS podcast. Football season's almost here. I can't wait.